Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, you turn to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. We've been looking at uh, various prisons uh, in the Bible and how some of these prison experiences, things that we go through uh, when we feel alone, when we feel trapped, when we feel full of doubt, confusion. Uh, and we've seen so far uh, Joseph and the, uh, the, the prison that God used to promote him. He had to go through that prison in order to progress um, to be where God wanted him to be, to stand before Pharaoh and then as a result rescue uh, the nation of Israel from famine. We saw Samson not living up to his potential and ending up in a prison of chastisement uh, where God got Samson to a position where he came to the end of himself and ended up crying out to the Lord. We saw Jeremiah in a prison of uh, growth as he learned to, uh, again, after doing the right thing, being incarcerated for no fault of his own and yet simply uh, relying upon the Lord. And there are moments in our lives where we feel like we need to try and take matters into our own hands and oftentimes God uses those prison experiences of our lives to help us grow in the knowledge uh, and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we saw John the Baptist in a prison of doubt, art thou he or should we look for another? John, who had proclaimed Christ to be the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world uh, on one hand, and then just a few uh, months later, there he is, confused, full of doubt, and asking if this is actually the Messiah, if the message that he was proclaiming was actually true. Uh, and we saw uh, the Lord's encouragement to John. And it gives us encouragement, doesn't it? Because John the Baptist was described by the Lord Jesus Christ as a man unlike any other man that was born among, among women. And yet even John had his doubts. And sometimes when we find ourselves in a situation, uh, a, a similar situation in life where we doubt our salvation, doubt God's plan for us, doubt God's presence, we can beat ourselves up. And in effect, do Satan's work for him where we become defeated as believers because of our own doubt? So if somebody like John could have those doubts, then it kind of helps us in a way to realize that we are just human and we sometimes can be full of doubts. And then last night we looked at prison. Uh, we looked at prison. We've been looking at prison all week. Uh, we looked at Peter and his prison of victory and how the Lord um, used that situation then not only to encourage Peter but to encourage the very group of people that could do nothing other than pray for him. Uh, and we saw again in all of these instances, God's presence in the prison with each of these characters. Tonight we're going to look at Paul and see how we can turn our prisons into a place of worship. It's very easy to worship the Lord when everything is going our way. It takes something quite special to be able to worship the Lord when everything is going against us, when nothing seems to be going right, when we seem to be at the end of our tether, when we come to our wit's end, when we just feel so trapped. That takes quite a special moment to be able to worship the Lord in those situations. But it's possible. And Paul um, shows us how. There's an old story about a lighthouse keeper who worked on a rocky stretch of coastline and once a month he would have a new supply of oil to keep the light burning so that ships could safely navigate the near rocky coast one night though a woman from a nearby village came 
and begged him for some oil to keep the family warm. Another time, a a father asked for some to use in his lamp, and another man needed to lubricate the wheel. And since all the requests seemed legitimate, the lighthouse keeper tried to please everyone and grant the request to all. Toward the end of the month, he noticed that the supply of oil was dangerously low, and soon it was gone, and the light went out. As a result, that evening, several ships were wrecked, and countless lives were lost. When the authorities investigated, the man was very apologetic. He told them he was just trying to be helpful with the oil. Their reply to his excuse, however, was simple and to the point. You were given one purpose, and one purpose only, to let that light shine. Keep the light burning. And the Lord Jesus Christ said to us, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The problem we have is that when we get to the prison experiences of our lives, our light goes out. And that's not meant to be the case. Our light is meant to shine on top of the mountain. Our light is meant to shine in the valley. Our light is meant to shine when we're experiencing great freedom. Our light is meant to shine when we're even in the prison experiences of life. Because that light is not just for our benefit. That light is for the benefit of those around and about us. Those who may be going into a similar situation themselves would take great comfort from the fact that as the Lord uh, was able to bring you through that situation, so the Lord can bring them through that situation. That light is meant to shine because it's a, a reminder to a lost and dying world that the Lord Jesus Christ is very much real and he's very much alive. And when the Lord is with us in those times of difficulties... Our light ought to shine brightly. And we see this in Paul's situation. In Acts chapter 15, and in verse 25, it says, At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. They let their light shine. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed, and the keeper of the prison awakened out of his sleep. And seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been uh, fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, we are all here. Father, we thank you again for this day, for this time together, for this privilege to be able to come around your word and for the opportunity to gather each night this week. And Father, we recognize the fact that there are many people here uh, that are, are struggling with many different situations in their lives. Many are facing prison experiences similar to those that we've spoken about this week. And Father, our desire is that you would just speak to our hearts, that you would help us, that you would comfort us, that you would uh, enable us to know you are peace and presence with us in these times of difficulties, and that our prison might be turned into an opportunity for our light to shine. And as we worship our Savior in a time of difficulty, a lost and dying world might recognize that Christ is indeed, is indeed real and makes a difference in our lives, even when things are not going our way. So, Father, we just pray once again that you would help us as we come around you a word, that you would speak to our hearts, and we just pray and ask these things in Christ's most precious and wonderful name. Amen. When Paul and Silas arrived in Philippi, they were expecting great things to happen. After all, 
the Lord had clearly told them that this is where he wanted them to go. Uh, One door had been closed and another door had been opened for them. And when they came to Philippi, there was a a great excitement because uh, Lydia and others came to faith in the Lord. But as soon as the Lord started blessing, Satan wasn't far behind um, to cause discord, as it were. And the men of the city weren't happy that people were getting saved because lives were being changed. You know, if we want to sort the problems out in society today, we often talk about political solutions and we often talk about programs to implement and we often talk about, you know, uh, the greater good. Do you want to know how to change society today? The only way society is going to change is if everybody comes to know Christ as their saviour. You know, back during the Welsh Revival in 1904-1906, crime rate dropped to such a degree that the policemen had no jobs to do. Crime was literally wiped out because the majority of people within um, the area of Wales where the revival was breaking out weren't committing crimes anymore. That's where our male voice choirs come from. If you want to blame why we have so many male voice choirs and why that's such a thing today, it's because of the revival. The police had nothing else to do, so they said, well, we're not breaking up any crime, so let's just sing. What happens uh, when people come to know the Lord? Lives change. But the problem is in Philippi, the people who made money from idol worship and the people who made money from uh, witchcraft and what have you, they weren't happy uh, that those who used to be their cohorts were now getting saved and changed, so they just wanted to rile things up for Paul and Silas. And they caused them issues. You know, when people start getting saved in the church, don't be too surprised if the devil tries to get a foothold and cause dissent. As soon as the Lord started blessing, the devil began his work. And Paul and Silas are falsely accused. In verse 19 it says that when her masters saw that the hope of their gains were gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, these men be Jews to exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. Paul and Silas are falsely accused by these men who only cared for money. They couldn't care less if this gospel message was having a positive impact in their city. It's incredible. You know, when the church does a work within a community, even if it's having a positive impact on the community, uh, those who who do not know Christ as their saviour kind of get riled up because the church is on the move and they just want nothing uh, to do with the church. They don't want the church to thrive. They don't want it to survive. They don't want it to be a blessing in the community, even though it's benefiting them. And these men falsely accuse uh, um, Paul and Silas And they just want to get their revenge. All these boys had done was preach the truth. That's all they'd done was preach the gospel. And when the rest of the people heard these false accusations, it says the multitude, in verse 22, rose up against them, and the magistrate rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they'd laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Have you ever been there, not cast in prison and beaten up and laid with many stripes, but have you been there where you've just been serving the Lord, you've kind of just been getting on with things and you've been happily going along and things seem to be going well for a moment and then in an instant 
everything changes. It's as if your world just comes absolutely crashing in on you. Paul and Silas are turned on like a pack of rabid dogs and are hauled into court, beaten and thrown into prison. The word there uh, which says uh, that they were cast into prison means to throw something with no concern whatsoever. These men were beaten like common criminals. They were thrown into prison and all they had done was being obedient to the Lord and preach the gospel. Paul and Silas were handed to the jail in verse 24, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet, in the, made their feet fast in the stocks. They were thrust into the inner prison. Now that, and let's understand, this prison is not like today's prison. Today's prison is like a holiday home compared to the, the, the prisons that would have been available in Bible times. They would have been thrown into a deep, dark cell. They would have been the nastiest place you could have imagined. They would have been chained amid mouth, uh, mud and filth and human waste. And it would have been dark, filthy, disgusting and dangerous. And they were there for no other reason than being obedient to the Lord. So what did they do? How did they turn this prison into a place of worship. First of all, we need to understand that praying leads to praising. Praying leads to praising. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. There are many times in our lives where we face a midnight hour. Uh, There are many times in our lives where we face a period of darkness. There's many times in our lives where we feel like the darkness is quite oppressive. And what we tend to do then is we tend to desperately search for a way in which to find any kind of light source, as it were, to make the darkness go away. What we are not able to do is pray to a point where our darkness can be turned into an opportunity to praise the Lord. Because the last thing we want to do in a time of difficulty, the last thing we want to do in a time of prison, the last thing we want to do when we walk through a valley, the last thing we want to do when we go through a trial, the last thing we want to do when we go through a period of tribulation is praise God. It's easy to praise the Lord when everything's going our way. When everything is smooth, when our jobs are smooth, when everything at home is smooth, when the kids are behaving, uh, great, that's easy to praise the Lord. But when we're facing moments of difficulty, sometimes we don't feel like we can pray, let alone praise. But we need to understand that praying leads to praising. In this trial, God gave Paul a song, a song when it was difficult to sing. Psalm 42 says, Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, and my prayer unto God of my life. Job 35.10 says, But none saith, Where is God my maker, who giveth songs in the night? It is God that gives us songs in the night. We might feel that we've come to a point where we just can't sing anymore. Do you? This is something my wife always used to say. My daughter Eve, my youngest one, she talks. I mean, she, she talks and talks and talks. And she sings nonstop. When I used to drive her to school, she used to drive me to distraction because she would be singing away in the car and 
even when there was like a, a one-beat rest in the song that she was singing, she could still have a full-blown conversation with me and get back and not drop a word of the song. And it would drive me nuts. There was one moment I was driving to school. I did this drive for um, probably um, 12 years. I did the same drive over and over and over again. And there was one day I, I completely missed my turning because she was just in my ear. Well, during the first year um, of her um, being in university, she was in um, flats with non-Christians. And she's incredible at being a witness. She's awesome at being a testimony. But you would not believe how much they bullied this girl. I mean, they bullied her to the point where she became depressed and her song went. And she would come home when she could and she just wasn't Eve. And it took a while for her to get back to normal. And do you know what? I never once since then go, oh, Eve, just stop singing. Because my wife always says to me, that happy people sing. So I don't mind her singing now because I know that she's not going through the nonsense she went through two years ago. That God's put the song back in her heart. Sometimes it's difficult to sing when we're going through a time of difficulty. But God can give us a song in the night. Happy people sing. If you notice that when you're excited, you probably don't even know you're doing it. You might be excited and all of a sudden you, oh, I'm singing. You're like, yeah, I normally sing when it gets to the end of a shopping trip and I know I'm going home. <laughs> I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. This is coming to an end. Yay. But happy people sing. So when we're in a prison situation, when we're in a prison circumstance, when we're in a situation that's not going our way, it's difficult to have that song. But by praying, we can get that song back to get to the point where we are praising, even though the situation we find ourselves in doesn't call for praise. Those circumstances may batter and beat us. We can find healing because he gives us a song in the night. Even though sickness may weaken us, we can gain strength because he gives us a song in the night. Even though sorrow may come and beat our heart with grief, God can melt our hearts and give us that song in the night. Paul was able to sing so loud with joy because he knew the truth of Romans 8.28 which said, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. At his darkest hour, he prayed and praised the Lord. Malcolm Muggridge said, Contrary to what might be expected, I look back on experiences that at times seemed especially desolating and painful with particular satisfaction. Indeed, I can say with complete truthfulness that everything I have learned in my 75 years in this world, everything that has truly enhanced and enlightened my experience has been through affliction and not happiness. God allowed this dark trial in Paul and Silas's life to give them an opportunity to praise. Maybe we don't realize it, but when things are going our way, there's an opportunity for our prayer life to suffer. But when times of difficulty come, that's the opportunity to really call upon the Lord, to really plead with the Lord, to really spend time with the Lord. And if our song is gone in a time of difficulty that you are facing right now, then I want you to know praying leads 
to praise him. If you want to get that song back, start on your knees. Charles Spurgeon said, any fool can sing in the day. It is easy to sing when we can read the notes in the daylight, but the skillful singer is he who can sing when there is not a ray of light to read by. Songs in the night come only by God. There are many times when we are so weak or helpless that all we can do is pray. But prayer is not limitation. Prayer is a mighty weapon. You know, we, are, we, we talk about the armor of God, and it's a shame that prayer is not represented as such by a piece of armor, because we kind of often fail to realize that prayer is part of the armor of God. We are to pray without ceasing. When we don't know what to do, we're to pray. When we're confused about a situation, we're to pray. When we don't know which direction to go, we're to pray. When we literally have nowhere to go and don't know what to do, we are to pray. If our song is gone, if our song has disappeared, if there's no notes left in our voice, then if we pray, it can lead to praising. Unfortunately, few Christians take time to pray and cry out to the Lord. Wouldn't it be incredible... Imagine this, if the Christian church did as much praying as they did gossiping, the church would be on fire. You know, when somebody comes to you and says, and be careful when somebody says, oh, I want you to pray about something. Do you want to pray about something or do you want to gossip about somebody? The church today is in such a state because we can't help, we can't wait to have news about somebody else. Ooh, do you hear what so-and-so did? If we spend as much time and effort in praying as the church did in gospel, and I have no idea if you're a gospel in church. I have, I have only met you for a couple of days. So far, nobody that I've spent time with has gossiped about anybody else, just to put you at ease, just in case you start looking around and going, right, he was at their house for dinner, and he was at their house for dinner. What have they been saying about us? But you, you, you get an idea sometimes when you, you go into a church and... That group is not talking to that group. And that family has still got beef with that family. And, and you're like, good night. Come on. We'd... It's hard enough being a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ as it is without fighting one another. If we spent as much time and effort praying as we do griping or complaining or gossiping, what an incredible position our church would be in. Singing has such an impact on people's lives. Singing is important. There was a church where the song leader and the pastor was not getting along. And this fight started to spill over into the worship service. And one week the preacher preached on commitment and how we should dedicate ourselves to service. The song leader then led the song, We Shall Not Be Moved. The next Sunday... The preacher preached on how alcohol is such a sin and you shouldn't be drinking alcohol. And if you've got any alcohol in the, in the house, you need to go down to the river and you need to cast all of that alcohol in the river. The song leader gets up and sings, shall be gathered at the river. The next Sunday, the preacher preached on giving. And how if you are not tithing as a church, then you aren't being in disobedience to the Lord. You need to tithe. And the song leader got up and led the song, Jesus paid it all. 
The next Sunday, the preacher preached on becoming disgusted over the situation and he said to the congregation he was considering resigning that maybe in the next few weeks he would step down as the pastor. The song leader then led the song, Oh, Why Not Tonight? It came to pass that the preacher resigned and he stood before the church and said, Look, the Lord Jesus Christ told me clearly that this is not the church for me and I just need to leave and Jesus is the one that has made this decision. And the song leader got up and led the congregation in the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Singing is important. It has such an impact on our lives. You know, I like to go in a church where people kind of mean what they're singing. Because when somebody sings, I am so glad that my Father in heaven tells of his love in the book he has given. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. What does that say to people? God's put a song in our heart. And we ought to sing like we mean it. We ought to express that because it's a gift from the Lord. Singing can make such a difference in the way in which we feel. Praying leads to praising. And guess what? The prisoners heard that song. The prisoners heard Paul and Silas singing. It was a witness and a testimony. They were listening to their singing. That was not a common sound in the prison. Normally the sound in the prison was one of moaning and groaning, one of beatings, one of uh, despair and distress. I'm sure that they did not sing. Paul and Silas didn't sing songs like, woe is me. I'm sure they sang songs like, God is in control. God is the one that has the power. God is the one that can move. God is the one that can change this situation. And God gave these men hope and encouragement from the word of God and put a song in their heart. Sometimes we need to get excited enough that it shows on our face. Because I don't know about you, but Christ has changed my life. And that's exciting. You know, we get excited about a whole host of things. You know, some people get excited about the soap operas. Bless them. Ooh, can't wait to see what happens. Who cares? It's not real. Is pretend. Oh, you never guess what happened on Coronation Street. What is Coronation Street? But people get excited about soap operas. People get excited about football. What's all that about? Best thing that ever happened to football was William Webb Ellis picked it up and started running with it. People get excited about rugby, not in Wales, but people get excited about rugby. We get excited about so many things. And guess what? That makes no difference to our eternal state. None of that. So why can't we be as excited about Christ as we are about everyday things in our lives? Sometimes our song is just gone. And we don't feel like we can sing. Praying leads to praising. Praising leads to pardon. And that's not a pardon over our sins, because I was dealt with at the cross. That's a pardon over our circumstances. 
praising leads to power. In verse 26, suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. The miraculous power of God was demonstrated by the opening of the doors and the loosening of the bands. We mentioned this ever so quickly last night, but if you turn to Daniel uh, chapter 3, and we'll have a look at it in a bit more detail. Because what I want us to see here is oftentimes the things that imprison us are the actual things that can set us free. Daniel chapter 3 and verse 21. Remember we said last night about Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah refusing to bow before Nebuchadnezzar's idol. And Nebuchadnezzar said if they didn't bow, he would cast them into the fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar is so incensed with these men refusing to bow to his image that he heats up the furnace seven times hotter. And it says in verse 21 of Daniel chapter 3, Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen and their hats and their outer garments, and were cast into the midst of the, of the burning, fiery furnace. And in verse 23 it says, These three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. The fire was meant to consume them. The fire was meant to destroy them. The fire was meant to punish them. But that, what, that which was used to punish, to hurt and destroy, is actually what set them free. Because if you look then in verse 24, Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, king, he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose and walking around in the midst of the fire. They have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. How incredible that that which was meant to destroy these bodies actually set them free. The prison was meant to punish Paul and Silas. The prison was meant to silence Paul and Silas. But it was actually in the prison that they found freedom. Praying led to praising. Praising led to pardon. A pardon of their situation. Man cannot contain or incarcerate what God emancipates. The Bible has been burned and it's been buried and it's been banned and it's been blasphemed and belittled throughout all history. And yet the Bible still flourishes. The Bible and the word of God is more alive today than it's ever been. The skeptic Ingersoll held up a copy of the Bible and said, in 15 years, I'll have it in the morgue. 15 years later, Ingersoll was in the morgue. Voltaire said, in 100 years, the Bible will be outmoded in a forgotten book found only in museums. 100 years later, his house was owned by the Geneva Bible Society. 2 Timothy 2.9 says, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bounds, but the word of God is not bound. It is the truth of God's word that sets us free. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ said. The Christ, said uh, Christ said, the truth shall set you free and you shall be free indeed. When we're in a prison experience of our lives, then we need to hold on to the word of God. The word of God spoke to Joseph as he reflected on the dreams that God had given him in order for him to stand before Pharaoh. 
We're told that Samson called out to God. We're told that Jeremiah prayed to God. We're told that John the Baptist was spoken to by God. We're told that Peter was touched by the Lord. God's word is something that we ought to cherish. It's not an ornament for the house. It's not something when people come around and make you look super spiritual because you've got it on your dining table or your side table. If the cover of your Bible is beaten, battened, and broken, it means that the one reading it isn't. Hold on to the truth of the word because Satan will do all he can to whisper his lies in our ears. What are you doing in that prison then? I thought you were meant to be a child of God. God can't love you if this is where you are. God can't think much of you. What's he saved you for if you're in this situation? What's he saved you for if you're suffering this health issue? What's he saved you for if, if your ministry is not uh, being a success as you think it should be? What's he saved you for then if you are sitting here pouting like a, a, a spoiled child? What's the point in you serving the Lord if this is where you are? Ah, oh. greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Ah, if I resist the devil, he'll flee from me. Ah, the devil's a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. Ah, the devil's not going to get a foothold in my life. Why? Because I'm a child of God. And the truth sets us free. Whereas Satan wants to continue to keep us entrapped with his lies because he's the father of lies. And yet the Lord Jesus Christ sets us free with his truth. What was meant to punish Paul and Silas was actually the means used to set them free. Praying led to praising. Praising led to pardon. Pardon led to proclaiming. In verse 27 of Acts chapter 16, you can imagine the shock of the the prison guard. And it says that keeper of the prison awakened out of his sleep seeing the prison doors open drew out his sword and would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had been fled but Paul cried with a loud voice saying do thyself no harm for we are all here as the prison guard awakes he sees the doors of the prison open and immediately he is in an absolute state of panic because he's going to be in trouble He thinks all the prisoners are gone and escaped, and that's a capital offense for a guard in a Roman Empire if the prisoner escaped. And instead of facing execution by the government, it'll just be easier to throw himself on the sword. Instead of facing execution, he'd commit suicide. And you think, why would he do that? Because this is a culture of shame. Shame and honor. It would have been shame for him to have lost these prisoners, so it would have been nothing to have committed suicide. That would have been the honorable thing for him to do. He thought there was no solution to the problem. He dreaded the future, especially the shame and the execution. But the prisoner in this this instant was not Paul. The prisoner was actually the jailer. He was a prisoner to his emotions and his imagination. And do you know what tends to happen when we're in a prison ourselves? Our imagination runs riot. 
And our imagination says, this is impossible. But we need to come back to the word of God for God to say, no, all things are possible. When we're in a prison, we're like, I'm just too tired. And yet we come to the word of God and the word of God says, I will give you rest. We're in our prison experience and we say, do you know what? Nobody can love me. And yet we come to the word of God and we know that God so loved the world. And we, we, we say in our prison experience, I just cannot go on. And yet we come to the word of God and God says to us, my grace is sufficient. We're in our prison and we say, I just can't figure this out. But God says in his word, I'll direct your paths if you stop leaning on your own understandings. We are in our prison and we say, I simply can't do this. But the word of God says, yes, you can. Because you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. You come in your prison, you say, do you know what? This is just not worth it. And we come to the word of God and it says, yes, it is. Because in this, God's will can be fulfilled in your life. And we come in our prison, we say, I can't manage but the word of God says, I will supply all of your needs. We say, I'm afraid. And yet God's word says, I've not given you the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a strong mind. You say, yeah, but I'm scared. I'm worried. I'm frightened. And God's word says, then cast all your cares upon me. You say, but yeah, I feel so alone. And God says, no, you're not, child. Because the word of God says that he will never leave us. And never forsake us. Paul demonstrated restraint in not just fleeing the prison, but as a result of his pardon, as a result of his freedom, he had an opportunity to proclaim who God was. The jailer is about to take his own life, and Paul says, Whoa, wait a minute. You don't need to die because somebody died in your place. How incredible that Paul was then able to talk to the Philippian jailer about the Lord Jesus Christ. That this man would come to know Christ as his saviour. What if Paul and Silas had just succumbed to the fact that, well, we're in prison, there's nothing we can do about it. That's the end of it. Let's just sit here and sulk. God didn't do what he said he was going to do. God didn't live up to his promise. If they had done that, would the Philippian jailer have come to know the Lord? Would the Philippian church have started? Would we have had the book of Philippians, the, the epistle of joy? Paul and Silas prayed, and that praying led to praising. Is you a song gone in the prison that you find yourself in today? We're meant to sing to ourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Christ has put a song in our heart. Maybe that song is gone. Maybe you're maybe just walking around singing in a minor key. Maybe the song's there, but the pitch's a bit off. Maybe you need to get the song back. Praying leads to praising. What we find is when we are in a prison experience, when we feel alone, when we feel confused, when we don't like what's happening, when we don't understand what's happening, oftentimes we stop talking to the one who can help. Praying leads to praising. Praising leads to pardon. It was the praising that actually set them free from the prison. And they saw the power of God work in such a miraculous way. 
And because they were freed from the prison, they were able to proclaim pardon then led to proclaiming. They were able to proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ to the jailer. Here's the thing. The prison might not be for you. The prison might be for somebody that you're going to be able to witness to because of that prison. The prison that you find yourself in right now might not be for you to learn anything. It might simply be for you to be able to proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ to somebody else. Maybe a lost work colleague will come up to you and say, oh, I'm facing this difficulty and I just don't know what to do. Ah, I went through that and let me tell you about my Jesus. Because this is what he did for me in the prison. Do you know what? The world's not going to fix that problem you face in. And do you know what? The doctors are not going to be able to help with that problem you face in. Can I tell you about the one person who can fix that problem? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And it might be an opportunity for you then to proclaim the gospel to somebody that you would never have had the opportunity to talk to about the Lord because they've always been a closed book. You can't get close to them. They won't open up. You can't even mention church, Christ, religion, the Bible, nothing. And yet, you've both been through the same type of experiences and you're able to be a help. Why did God allow these men to go through this prison? Why did God allow them to suffer all of that pain? Was it just for that jailer and his family? So that that jailer would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as his saviour. When the prison door slams behind us and we find ourselves shackled in the pain of our problems, you might feel like there's no reason to praise the Lord. Start praying. Get that song back. Because praying leads to praising. You might think you'll never get any freedom from this. There'll never be a pardon over these circumstances. Praising will lead to a pardon. And that pardon, that freedom, whether it's a freedom from sin that you can share with somebody else, whether it's a freedom from an issue you can share with somebody else, whether it's a freedom from a problem, an addiction, whatever it might be, you can share with somebody else. And God can still get the glory even from a prison experience. Malcolm Muggeridge, a Christian writer, said this, Contrary to what might be expected, I look back on experiences that at times seem especially desolating and painful with particular satisfaction. This is the quote we gave earlier. Indeed, I can say with complete truthfulness that everything I have learned in my 75 years in this world, everything that has truly enhanced and enlightened my experience has been through affliction and not through happiness. A torn muscle when it repairs itself, always grows. If you're in a prison experience today, you have the opportunity to grow. Maybe your song is completely gone. You have an opportunity to get that song back. And as a result, God can receive all the glory. Tomorrow night, we're going to look at Abraham. And you might think, when was Abraham in prison? You come and find out tomorrow night and we're going to look at the prison of God's plan. And we're going to pull this whole week together because of what Abraham went through. But if your song has gone tonight, then I want you to sing this last song out like you've never sung before. And let's, I don't know if you've got double glaze in, but let's make sure the whole community hears that the Lord Jesus Christ is very much alive and well in this church. And let's sing 
like God has given us our song back. Father, we thank you again for this day, for this time together, for this opportunity to come around your word. And Father, there are times in our lives where we don't feel like singing. There are times in our lives where we are so confused by what's happening, our song has completely disappeared. But it's only you that can give us that song in the night. So, Lord, would you do that for those here tonight that are in this type of prison, that are shackled and bound by situations beyond their control. Father, as we cry out to you, as our prayers ascend up to you, can you change our praying into praising? That we might praise you, a wonderful name, for all that you've done for us. Lord, if nothing else goes right in our entire lives... From this point onwards, we still have enough to praise you for all eternity because of salvation. Because of what Christ has done for us upon Calvary. So, Father, help us to praise you. And in that praising, we've already received a pardon for our sins. But we can get a freedom, a pardon from the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And that will be an opportunity for us to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ to those around and about us who have Never come to know him. Father, we're able to do this because in those prison experiences, that's when the Lord becomes more real to us. Because that's when we know your presence. And we rely upon your peace. So, Father, would you help us tonight? Return our song, we pray. For it's in Christ's name we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and sing our last hymn. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And we stand as we sing.